0: It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. We, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy
1: the moment. All right. All
0: right. So, hey, Mariah.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm well, I'm well. Thank you for joining me for Mike Up. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah so um, I kind of I was roped not roped in I hate to use that word I was brought in to um, the amazing uh, I guess series of events taking place at the College of Charleston campus um, the women's studies department and then um, the folks over at uh, Folks over at Royal American hit me up, hit my friend Benny up, and like, hey, we're doing this event at Royal American. When I saw who was performing, it didn't ring a bell initially, but then, (laughs) Mariah, when I saw your picture, I was like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll bleep that out, (laughs) but yeah, I was like, oh, man. Um, So for those who don't know you, Mariah, just go ahead and just tell me who you are and what you're all about.
1: Yeah, I'm just a queer black girl from the south that is tired but uh and ready to make some change. I got into politics about 2 years ago. Um, you know, I guess the the the, the long story is that I got into politics via hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, Athens downtown area, Athens, Georgia where I live. There's a lot of racial discrimination, a lot of segregation still that um, is de facto and unchallenged by a lot of those that do benefit from the establishment. And so I wanted to change that. I wanted to get my story out um, to, you know, save my own life from some of the things that I had survived and to create community around music and to integrate our public spaces and to make space for people of color to share their stories as well. So I started organizing musically, putting together hip hop shows and connecting people from the distal corners of Athens around music who you know, be they beatsmiths or or MCs or graphic designers or B boys, just trying to bring folks together where they felt like they were the only ones in a in what you know, what the myth will tell us is a predominantly white town. And so okay. through that I came to see that we were making cultural change, but without policy change, the things that had held people back from Giving, telling their stories full-throatedly and having these spaces in which to do so and, and, so, and recovering and healing from uh, the, the stories, the, the trauma that they were expressing through their music, you know, without policy change, our movement had hit a ceiling. Exactly. And so I got involved in electoral politics. I became a campaign manager for my friend and fellow hip-hop artist Tommy Valentine. I decided to run for office myself. as his running mate in an adjacent district declared my candidacy at my album release show in february of 2018 and uh i won county commissioner in may of 2018 by 13 votes and i've been serving on the Athens clark county commission ever since then um i'm also on the side i'm also a phd student but you know that's neither here nor there
0: (laughs) Uh, that that's dope i think you're literally doing what folks um they might have it on their heart in places like Charleston as well, demographics, demographically speaking, it may be different, right? There's a, there is a rich black uh, presence here, black culture here, the Gullah Geechee uh, culture is here. However, I feel as if um, some of those forces that you're up against that you face in Athens are things that we contend with here as well. And and I love that you just kind of like created your own lane in terms of how to achieve electoral justice or electoral access or how to participate in electoral politics. Um, so let me ask you a question, back it
1: up a bit. Did Tommy win when you, ran, um, when you were his campaign manager? <laughs> so unfortunately, he was running up against a lady who had served on the school board for 16 years and thus had something of incumbent status in that race. So yeah. he unfortunately was not able to make it through, yeah. but at least we, we, got, we got one of us through, and... Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of the work that we did because win or lose, you know, I thought about this as I ran myself, we were transforming the conversations that the community was having about what they deserved and what so, was possible. For them.
0: So would you characterize it as an insurgency campaign, the one that you ran?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I represent, as running to represent at the time, uh, the only per- uh, majority black district in Athens, in some parts of the district, the poverty rate is as high as 50%. And there's a lot of political apathy because folks have been beaten down for so long. So, so running in, charging in to like transform people's ideas about what, you know, the community ought to have and what, what was possible for us um, up against a political establishment that had been really complacent and comfortable with assuming the seats of power without any, getting anything done for the people for a long time. Um, yeah, I, would, I, would, I think insurgency is a proper term.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's so dope. I love how much you use hip hop as a as a springboard. Um this show Miked Up is called Miked Up. Um I, I take it from hip hop. I was born and raised on hip hop. Um you know, it, it's so much of that infused because hip hop is inherently political. Um it, it came out of the burning Bronx, right? You know, exactly. um, and and it was it was created by the 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 sons and daughters the the, the sons and daughters of Jim Crow refugees like myself, who migrated up north and, and created this, this explosive and, and massive and, and, and radical platform. So let me ask you this. So as you're navigating these spaces musically, how are your fans or those who just want to like, not just want to vibe, but those who know you musically, how, how receptive were, were they to you making, I guess, a more of a political stance and running for office?
1: That they were my army. Those were the <laughs> folks that were out knocking on doors with me. Those were the yeah. folks that were out making calls for me. Those are the folks playing the, the benefit shows that we were organizing to raise money. You know, those are the folks that saw that the system wasn't working for them and believed that through, you know, listening to the music and the messages of like rising up from the ashes, you know, and sharing similar stories themselves, you know, they're the ones that saw the need, the desperate need for change. And so, whether or not, you know, whether or not they got fully engaged, despite, you know, some of them did, but others you know, were were there just to vibe. I think there was a un- unanimity in the realization that we can do this and that um, it the time had come, the time had been, been come. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that's awesome. I, I love how you, you, you um, again, I love how you just found your own lane there. Let me ask you this, for more of the more conventional folks, who were like your opponents or the establishment figures? uh, Did you find any resistance? Did they regulate you more? Did they hold you to to like special standards or double standard? Uh, How was that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, as a young queer black female, I think that people, you know wanted to wanted to hold a lot against me Mm -hmm. um i fairly i was fairly new to athens i'd only been living in athens about four or five years at the time and so they wanted to paint me as an outsider who didn't know the community which you know all all my life people had told me it's not your time because you're this or that and so you know to make change you got to start where you are and so i wasn't going to have any of that i definitely had a lot of scrutiny about my appearance having an Afro and being somewhat casual and dress, you know, coming from hip hop culture and like, you know, um, just you know, being from like a working class background. Um, I wasn't about to bow down to the respectability politics of what I was supposed to look like and talk like in order to serve, in order to lead. And so I, I received a lot of pushback, a lot of skepticism. But if anything, it just kind of fueled my fire that you know, I have to work all that much harder because these are the forces I'm up against. Yeah, now um,
0: shout out to you too. So you were always rocking that—that that, always
1: um, rocking the Afro, bro.
0: Yeah, to the I die. Yeah, you know, um, you know, um, I don't want to. I want to learn more about you, but I'll, I'll just offer a little bit about myself personally here. What uh, I re—I migrated back, or I returned home. I say um, I'm born and raised in Jersey, um, but I came back about six years ago. And the one thing i I discarded was the respectability politics where like uh the uncomfortable high heel shoes, the having to wear, you know, business dress whenever I
1: blazers. The, yeah. the ass cops and the yeah, nah, and so fitted, nah. I'm like, I'm over this They dress shit. up in Sunday clothes to go get hosed down by the cops <laughs> in the streets right. in the nineteen sixties. Like right. and they still they will still end they will still end our lives, end right. our futures, disregard our futures. Right. No matter how nice you look, no matter how many pleases and thank yous and misses and ma'ams and sirs you say. Mm-hmm. If anything, that's how they know that they've got you. That's how they know they had you docile and obedient. And so we have to absolutely embrace leaders that look unconventional, that are their full selves in this arena. Because right. they're the least, they're the ones that are being most impacted typically by absolutely. bad institutional policy.
0: Absolutely. Like I always say justice cannot come at the cost of black acquiescence. Like I, I'm not willing to pay that. And um, you know, I understand why our foremothers and forefathers had to, had to employ whatever tactics they did, but we know that there's limitations to respectability, ma- major limitations. So let me ask you um, another question. So um, maybe bring it to Charleston. So last week, it was last Friday, you performed at Royal American. Um,
1: tell me how you were brought to Charleston. So... The long story is that the College of Charleston was preparing to award Nikki Haley, mm. former UN ambassador, mm. the Women of Courage Award. And folks, you know, in the Women's Studies Department, African-American Studies Department, progressives throughout campus weren't mm. having that. And mm. they wanted to do something, some sort of counter event to highlight what true courage is, and to give people something to rally around rather than to simply State our opposition to what was happening to build together in a positive way so that we could move forward from that unfortunate moment for the campus to you know, embrace and advocate for radical change. And so um, Chris DeWeld from the Women and Gender Studies Department, yeah. shout out to Chris, out. Um, reached out to me about coming and speaking on campus. She also helped organize the show at the Royal American. And so I'm very indebted to them for bringing me to Charleston. Nah, you said it all, sis. Yeah. I sh- well, I should ask your pronouns. What's your pronouns,
0: Mariah? She, her, is fine. Okay. Yeah. You set it off. I, I, um, Benny, my, uh, friend who also performed before you, uh, who opened up, we were just in the corner, just going back and forth by how much like that energy that free, you just so free when you, when you perform and it was just awe inspiring. You set it off. How'd you, how'd you feel the crowd, uh, received you?
1: Well, I could tell they're listening really intently. And like the vibe was good. I could tell the energy was high among them. The, the response in terms of the call and response, I tried to make it very engaging. And they were getting down on that. We got jumped off stage and like got them to dance a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like it was really well received. They were listening and they, hopefully their messages that I needed to hear. But in my reception after the show, I felt like people expressed that it had been very moving for them. So that's all I come to do, you know?
0: Let, let me do this, and I'm not going to ever indict my people, or I'm not trying to be overly critical. I actually want to know, too, did you observe something? Did you feel something? I, I asked this because a lot of folks come here and they feel something in Charleston. They feel like maybe some sort of, um, like I always say it's a patina of politeness. It's like a film. Did you feel a little something, not uneasy, but something different culturally here in Charleston?
1: Um, I think that it's hard for me to say whether or not I was getting a sense of Charleston as a city at large, or whether or not I was enveloped in a rosy bubble of, of you know these young activists mm-hmm. on the campus who attended the show and came out uh, to the talk on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So whether or not I got a, um, a representative sampling of Charleston, particularly those at, that patina of politeness you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, I can't say. What I felt was just a lot of power, a lot of people that were engaged, that were hungry, that have like you know that ha that are empowered and ready to do ready to you know roll and shake and so I, re- I came home very inspired by that.
0: No absolutely and I, and, and I think that's what I felt in that moment um I felt a lot of energy people were very hungry to hear what you had to say I think people also love to see um courageous folk model certain behaviors and and then I, I I'm really excited to see what your performance uh what it kind of means for uh, some other people who spoke to me after your um after you appeared so i'm excited to hear more or see more from that and uh i'm sure you you gave birth to a lot of innovation and a lot of um a lot of creative creative outlets let's say but um yeah okay so let me ask you this so you're you're a county commissioner you're also a phd candidate and i am yep and you're in the hip-hop artist how do you make this all work how do you balance all of this
1: well, I tell people when they ask me how I make it all work that I don't know, <laughs> I, I and embracing that not knowing and embracing the whole journey as dynamic and living and fluid and as, uh, as a constant form of practice. Every commission meeting I go into, every speech I give, every policy I'm trying to write, it's all this practice for the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And so remembering that I'm constantly honing my uh, skills, I'm honing my abilities, my you know expertise, uh, it's all, it's all about just getting better. And so uh, th- things are constantly messy. Things don't work. I fail sometimes. I fail a lot, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than getting down on myself when things don't go the way I want or, or, or um, abstaining from action because I don't know if I have the right answer, I would just act anyway and, and, and constantly reflect that um, self-compassion is key. And that, as long as I can like love myself through the learning that it requires, that like I can I can do this, and I'm going to become with each and every step I take the person that the the new moments of challenge will require.
0: Yeah, um, I listened to another interview you did with another podcast, and the, the name of the podcast uh, escapes me at the moment. But you mentioned, um, you know, you're very you're out there, right? Your your persona is a large persona. Your image, uh, like you said, you live unapologetically, essentially. Um, and oftentimes that can invite um, some, I guess, unsavory forces, um, some just explicitly violent um, forces into um, your life. How do you how do you maintain safety? I'm, and I'm asking this, Mariah, because I just had a conversation a couple of days ago with black women in movement work, myself included, who recently experienced violence um, and, and threats. How do you stay safe? How do you how you manage all of that?
1: Yeah, that has been a really difficult question for me, particularly when I first started to serve. Because you know I've been very critical of the role of police in our communities. Um, we've had a lot of police shootings in the last year. There's a lot of distrust among the, of the police among young people, especially. And so to suddenly beginning death threats and, and wonder to myself, who do I turn to, to be, to feel safe, you know, do, do, do the cops come when I call them now? Like, you know, or am I, am I on some sort of blacklist? Uh, was it, it was, it was a, was a interesting crossroads for me, but I mean, it's ultimately about, um, I think, uh, just nourishing strong networks of support to know that there's others that I can reach out to if I need safety and if I need, if I need, um, to be, to like kind of looked after in terms of community leaders, people, the strong arms in the community that, you know, have, have themselves networks of people who can keep eyes out for, for threats and things like that. I've also just been very purposeful about how and who I engage because, you know, I'm trying to build a movement. There's some people that want to tear us down and there's spaces in which they they congregate, they gather, they, um, move that I don't necessarily need to be in. Mm-hmm. Like I could bring that fight to them if I wanted to, but what is more impactful to me, I think is engaging the apathetic folks in our communities that don't realize that they can make change. Those folks, they, they ain't trying to hurt nobody. They're just tired. They're just tired. Mm-hmm. And so being very mindful of like what spaces I move in and trying to orient my energy towards spaces where we can plant seeds, um, mm-hmm. rather than, um, Get myself into situations where they're, you know, they're, I'm liable to raise a ruckus and get some people mad at me and like wanting to send bombs to my house, like, like I did, like, you know, was threatened upon me back in May 2018. Wow.
0: Wow. I know, I know you're laughing it off a little bit, but that's, that's just bananas. So you gotta
1: laugh though. You gotta like, you yeah. know, I'm willing, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to, I'm willing to die for this work. You know, I had to come to terms with that, that like people before us have suffered and lost their lives and lost their livelihoods and lost family for this. And that like, if, if you know, beyond policy making, if this movement, if, this, if the actions I take, if the way I speak out can inspire more people to get involved, then you know it's just so much more than my own life, so I have to take it with a little bit of levity and laugh and know that like my one life is not you know it's not that important in the grand scheme of things. This no. is a movement, a lot of people involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and also too, um, we can't deny ourselves joy. You, and you mentioned that earlier about just making sure you can can live your full life and and take care of yourself. So you you definitely I, I've definitely chuckled at some some foolishness. So gotcha there. Um, you you said you're you're building a movement. What is this movement you're trying to build?
1: I mean, I, I still am engaged in trying to get people of the hip hop community who have uh, incredibly compelling stories of struggle and incredibly um, complex and rich uh, repertoires in terms of communication um, that are really powerful for movement building. Like I'm trying to, you know, trying to get them into the into the struggle to see, like, this is how the stories that you're telling are involved. Are 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 are. Um, induced by bad public policy this is why you need to bring that story to city hall and talk to people this is why you need to talk to your your friends and your family about about voting about uh the fact that it doesn't have to be this way um so i'm trying to be uh on the front lines of getting more young black folks and young folks across the board to realize their power and to to take it to take it to the folks that have tried to withhold that power from them for so long
0: Okay. And so who can join the movement?
1: Everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. I don't count anybody out. I work with a lot of college students. I work with a lot of working class, working class black people. I work with a lot of mental people who have struggled with mental illness and are trying to figure out their way forward as people in the movement who, you know, are still dealing with healing from bad institutional policy. I deal with a lot of older black folks who, you know, are similarly apathetic because the status quo has convinced them that nothing can change for a long time and they have become complacent about it. You know, I work with everybody, everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to find the way to use their voice to like create these ripples in the system.
0: All right. I'm gonna just do like uh, we got a couple minutes left. I'm gonna do um, just a couple of kind of like not stream of consciousness, I guess word association, whatever, I don't know, whatever it's called. a um, uh, favorite artist period. Regardless favorite
1: of genre. artist period um favorite artist period any kind of art Yep. um man (laughs) i'm gonna have to say so there's a portrait artist here locally named broderick flanagan Mm -hmm. who does a lot of portraits of local black leaders um as a way of preserving black history and so i want to give a shout out to him
0: okay broderick flanagan
1: okay uh last
0: movie you went to go see in a theater
1: last movie i went to see go see in a theater was color out of space I'm a big horror movie fan. I think because I'm always so stressed out, I like, like to remain stressed out in my free time. So I go watch horror movies. So I saw Color Out of Space. Um, any new music coming up from you? I'm working, I'm working on an album right now. It's slow going. My producer just had a baby. Shout out to Ben. And so, you know, once he gets his dad thing <laughs> settled, we're going to be back in the studio um, recording a lot more. Hopefully get something out later this year
0: okay um dream artist that you would want to work with if you could if for your music with your music
1: dream artist i get to work with probably no name
0: oh that's a good one yeah i just want to join a book club and have like have no name come here all right right? (laughs) um last one is like a question i want to know i peep like a lot of your music is on youtube is any other way or do you have any plans to expand your music or make yeah
1: my music is on spotify it's on itunes it's on apple music yeah it's just under like the the (laughs) traditional spelling of my name so lingua franco yeah without the q so l-i-n-g-u-a-f-r-a-n-c-a go check it out
0: Look at me just having a spelling error issue. Okay. So it is. Okay, cool. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on my thub. Yeah, like I said, you really inspired me, sis. Um, I, I look forward to just joining your movement and supporting your work.
1: All right. No, thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Take care.